Yo, we got a show for y'all this week. Let's go. I am your host, Armand Lee, and this is episode 59 of the Quarterly Report. Thank you so much for checking in and rocking with me for another episode, another week. And like I said, though, you know, every week when I do this show, I love doing it. I get excited to do these shows. I don't get paid to do this podcast. I do it because I enjoy it. I love it. But this week, I don't know in the entire catalog of all these episodes have I been more excited, more ready, more filled with energy than I am right now. I actually am doing, this is like the second show that I've done this week because I had to scrap what I had first initially because of Tuesday night's events. And we're going to get to them, believe me. But let me give you a preview of what's to come. My guy, what quickly becoming one of my favorite guests on the show Truthaboutit.net's own Troy Halliburton. He's going to stop by. Usually, when Troy's on the show, we discuss nothing but the Wizards. But this week, nah, Slim. We're not talking about the Wizards. There's a lot to talk about. We're not talking about the Wizards. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. That's going to be a fun topic as well. Plus, just when you think Philadelphia got their stuff together, the 76ers I'm talking about, Maybe the craziest story in recent history just so just so happens to come out right before the NBA Finals. I swear, Tuesday night was one of the most fun nights I've had on Twitter ever. All that and more. That's going to be second quarter this week. We've got so much to discuss, and I think you guys know where we're going to start. It's our first topic. First quarter. Love that baby. Respect that girl. Forget she's a porn star. Let her be your world. Yeah. Yo, let me tell you something. So, again, doing a show on Thursday is tricky a lot, right? Because so much happens on Fridays nowadays, right? Where I put out a show in the day, the following day, all hell breaks loose, essentially. Okay? And last week was like the perfect example. Daytona drops Pusha T's most recent album. And, you know, it, he, he brings the heat, Okay? Without question, Push's best solo album. It's, it's short. It's like 25 minutes long. Um, but a lot of people were rocking with the short um, releases. I still don't know necessarily how I feel about it. Um, I, I'm not one to quickly review and to rave over a, a, a work, someone's release, um, in a week or so. I like to let it sit with me. So maybe I'll give a review of Daytona in the upcoming weeks. But... One of the biggest takeaways from Daytona was that Push, for what feels like the fifth or sixth time, he sent another light jab, nothing nothing hard, nothing serious, at Drake. Uh, he, he Now, if you haven't heard the album, everyone talks about infrared, right? But through, if you have heard the album, there's shots that, not nothing crazy, but like light little jabs that Push sends throughout the entire album, Drake's way. And... Later that Friday, I mean, I'm out with my family. You know, I, I was off that day. I usually work on Fridays. I was off on Friday. I'm about to go see Solo with the family. You know, my my, my sister and my daughter, you know, my, my brother-in-law, essentially, he's about to, they're all about to go out of town for the holiday weekend. So I'm free this weekend, right? They got my little girl. So family day is Friday night. We about to go ahead and do the thing, right? And as I'm walking, 
to the theater. My phone starts going crazy. And all, I'm on a group text with a, a bunch of my homeboys. And they're like, yo, Drake, Drake. And I'm like, Drake, what? And you, you know, because Daytona came out Friday. So I, I've been listening to Daytona for, you know, since the whole day. Everybody knew an infrared had been out, you know, so people kind of already knew. And again, infrared, while solid shots and, and like clever lines, I didn't think it was a hammer, right? And again, infrared, right? This push, man. God damn it. I love Virginia. You know what I'm saying? The real Virginia, not Northern Virginia. Real Virginians know what I'm talking about. It was so much layered. The the layers of this is so dope. The the initial this is called infrared. What does infrared mean, right? Infrared is the beam that you line up before you take the shot. Infrared wasn't the shot, but it was the bait. And infrared got the job done because as I'm walking to the theater, my homeboy is going crazy. Oh man, it's Duppy freestyle. Drake came back, and I was like, oh, because. When infrared, when all the noise about infrared came out, I was trying to tell people. Y'all, there's there there is a, a growing number of people, maybe not growing, but there's a significant number of people who just don't like Drake. And look, I'm not here to tell you who you need to like, what you need to like. Hey, you know, everybody's not my cup of tea, so I can understand it. But one thing you gotta know when it comes to Drake, that boy don't play. Drake can spit. There's so many people who just don't like Drake because his hit records, if you will, he doesn't spit. And like, you can make that case for everybody. Every, like Nas, you own me. You wasn't spitting on that. Some of Hey Poppy, Jay Z. You know what I'm saying? Like Jay doesn't always spit on on his biggest records. Jay wasn't spitting, right? Like so, everybody's not big. <laughs> you understand? Like that's one thing that Big had. Big can make the greatest party record and he was spitting like the lines were crazy. Everybody can't do that. Everybody doesn't do that. Right. So people judge Drake off of God's plan and like miss the, you know, the fourth or fifth track on the song. Right. Because yes, the God's plan gets all the rotation and nah, Drake ain't spitting on that song. We all know that. But if you don't, don't fool yourself. Don't think that Drake can't spit. And we all got to, glimpse of that Friday night because the Memorial Day weekend started on fire and we're going to touch on LeBron how LeBron helped Memorial Day weekend for everyone as well but it started on fire with Daytona and then the Duffy Freestyle where Drake just spazzed I mean Drake was snapping and I was listening to it and look full disclosure y'all know I'm from Southside Richmond Virginia I'm proud of it I love Virginia you know, and I love the clips. I've been rocking with the clips since funeral. Before before grinding, when the funeral came out, that was my dad was like, okay, these boys got it. And Push, you know, he has since gone solo and Push is one of my favorite rappers. So it's I need to put that out there first because I don't think I'm going to be biased with what I'm saying. But maybe you think you have a different uh, reaction to my commentary, right? So I, as someone who likes Push, I'm listening to Drake and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> said, oh God. What was Pusha thinking? Like, I was thinking, yo, Pusha did what Meek did. Like, we all know Push can rap. But beating Drake isn't just about rapping. It's not just about snapping. You gotta be clever. You have to be quick. It has to be catchy. And then there has to be the vision. There has to be more than just the song. 
right? There's got to be more because Drake absolutely will take it there. And Friday night was exhibit A. Drake spazzed, spazzed on that Duppy freestyle. I mean, and important to note, most of the heat on the Duppy freestyle went Kanye's way. Kanye took the, the majority of the shots, went over to Kanye. But if you want to play it as such, that's a, that was a master stroke by Drake because he's like, yo, you're not really on my level. I'm going to take out, I'm going to go after your boss's head and then send some shots your way too. And while Drake didn't really touch on anything new in the WF stuff, just the artistry, just like how he put the place to words. I mean, he was going for it. And then, of course, Pusha was feeling himself. He's like, oh, man, send the invoice because Drake had a little slick line about, you know, I should send the invoices y'all way for selling the extra 20000 So Push feeling himself. Like, man, okay, send the invoice. And then what did Drake do? Actual had an invoice with the OVO, aisle, the whole nine. And, and it was like, here's the invoice for a career revival. And I'm just like, y'all just got to stop playing with Drake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, at this point, it was like, yo, Drake was ready. Those songs starts off with him talking like he was, he was like, I'm appalled. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then took a deep sigh. And then it was gutter. It was the slaughterhouse. He was just ripping Bama's apart. And you just like, yo, y'all, y'all keep playing with this dude because he makes these little hit records and he's light skinned and he's from Canada. The boy can spit. And Friday, I, I had to go after after the movie was over. I go home and listen to it again a few other times. And I'm just like, yo, y'all got to stop acting like Drake doesn't get busy. And this is coming from a Pusha T fan. And then we all just waited. And he's like, okay, what's going to happen? Like, Pusha had to know he was going to respond. Pusha, your album just came out, right? So you had to have something coming. What's cooked? What's let it? What's ready? What's, what's in the chamber? And then we waited. And then we waited. And then we waited. And everybody was like, yo, man, Push, it's a holiday weekend. We giving you till Monday. Because everybody's like, it's the holiday. Everybody's feeling good. The weather's nice. Man, what's going on, Joe? You know, we want to eat. We want to we wanna listen to the songs eat at the barbecue, you know, do whatever it is that you do and watch the Game 7s, right? This was supposed to be the soundtrack of the holiday weekend, and we didn't get it. So a lot of people were starting to speculate, okay, well, maybe Push is going to wait until Kanye's album, or maybe Push is going to wait till Scorpion drops Drake's album. Or maybe Push just had to say what he had to say. He got it off his chest. Again, Drake didn't really address anything new, and most of the shots went Kanye's way. Maybe Push is cool with this L, right? Because make no mistake, after Friday, after Friday's events with Drake's freestyle, you know, and for was fine. Again, we've heard the, the quitting stuff before. We know that Drake doesn't write all his rhymes. That's cool. I mean, I'm not going to say it's cool. Some people are more bothered about it than I am. Ultimately, the vast majority of people just don't care. This is not the 90s anymore, right? People don't care that Drake didn't write all his rhymes. And, you know, whatever. You feel how you want to feel about it. But the fact is, Push didn't really come with anything new. Push sent light jabs. Drake responded with some heat, like harder than back-to-back, -back, harder than charged up, harder than stay scheming. This was the freestyle was the hardest we have heard Drake rap in these battles that he has had before. And Drake has fed, Drake up until this point was undefeated. Took out Common, took out Meek, two guys who had who know how to get busy. 
So like, I, as I was just thinking, okay, man, maybe Push just didn't, he just didn't plan it out. So maybe Push was like, you know what, let me just dab, bow out of this before it gets too too ugly. Even though I'm I'm certain, I'm not so certain now, but this weekend I was certain that Drake was going to hit him again. And maybe Drake still does. He needs to. But then Tuesday night happened, and Lord have mercy. I, I Maybe it's destiny. I had finished making my daughter dinner, and I was tired, man. I was tired Tuesday night. I go upstairs to my room, uh, and I said I'm just going to lay my head down for, like, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, probably like at 7.30. That 15, 20 minutes ended up being, like, you know, 30-plus minutes. So at 8, 8, 11, I wake up, and, I, you know, my daughter's still doing her thing. So I get ready to start her bath, and then I see something pop up on, you know, on the iPad. And it's this big funk flex notification, whatever. And then I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> it was just like smoke. And then I saw somebody retweet it. Actually, I think it was Troy. And we'll talk to Troy about this later in the show. And it was just one line that he had on it. And I was like, oh, no, it came out. So then I'm scrambling. I'm scrambling. I had to listen to it. And Lord have mercy. For all of y'all who were ready to write off Push, and I didn't know what Push was going to do. I wasn't ready to write off, but I just thought he may have took off a little bit more than he could chew. How foolish was I? How foolish was I? Because the first part of the diss, and it's the story of Adidon, right? Which is, I mean, expertly done over the beat of the story of OJ, right? And I don't see the 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 uh, the cover, like the cover art for for the diss. I'm just listening, and I'm like, this this is like something that you would say right before you fight somebody. Push went after this man's father. Push went after this man's mother. Push went after this man's alleged baby mother. We don't know what the situation is. I'm assuming assuming we're going to find out the details later. Push went after this guy's alleged child. And then he went after his homeboy. And it was like, Three minutes, not even three minutes of actual rhyming. And I'm just like, Lord, like what? (laughs) He took it to a level that I don't think anybody could have possibly expected it to go to. After the first, again, it's important to remember the freestyle that Drake had, the amazing freestyle that Drake dropped. The majority of the heat went toward Kanye, not at push. And the stuff that Drake said to push, it was stuff that wasn't new. You don't sell your rhymes or, you know, you weren't that big of a drug dealer. You're exaggerating. You don't make that much money. Right. You're old. That what those were. The, those have been the three kind of knocks that Drake has tapped took at push. Push starts off the rhyming part of the song saying. Drug dealing aside, ghost writing aside, he's like, we've tackled those two issues I got something else for you. Slim. (laughs) He somehow managed to rap about the effects of Drake's daddy issues. Said, brought it up that his daddy left him at five years old. And that now that Drake is a deadbeat dad himself. Look, man, I God bless the dad. I had the greatest father in the world. Okay. My father, man, love. 
Love the late, great Jimmy Lee, okay? I had the dopest father in the world. My dad wasn't a great husband by no stretch of the imagination, but he was the best father ever. And I know people who have difficult issues with their father, whether because they left them or they had they just never had a great relationship, whatever the case. People handle that stuff really differently. And sometimes that stuff, that stuff cuts deep. The fact that Push tied in his his possible abandonment issues, right? With the fact that he thus far hasn't been there for his alleged child was it was like a master stroke because you just it sounded like a therapist. I saw somebody tweet this the other day. It was like a therapist just going at him. Because one of the shots Drake had was about Pusha T's fiance. So again, Pusha's like, okay, you got all these commitment issues. You always flip out about, you know, when it comes to people relating to women. What about your mother? You know, I only love two things, my bedroom and my mom. I'm, I'm sorry. That was from God, you know, God's plan. Like, you're, you always winning. Your mom's always coming in last place. God damn, that got to hurt. Again, we talking about stuff that no other rapper. Drake has been in there with some, some elite guys. I'm not a fan of Meek, but a lot of y'all are. A lot of y'all like that street battle rap stuff, right? Common, we know what Common can do. Meek, we know what Meek could do. None of those dudes took it there. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. Bro, then he then he went from so he went from Drake's potential daddy issues to being a deadbeat dad to then Drake's issue was black with blackness. I'm like, this is all within a minute. And I'm like, bro, what? <laughs> what are we doing? What is going on here? What is going on here? So then he talks about how Drake has issues with his blackness. And it wasn't on like some soon, oh, you're not black. It wasn't anything like that. He was like, yo, you never identified. Like, he, he did it in a way that was talking about Drake's own identity issues. <laughs> He's just like, what? Where are we going now? He wasn't done. Then he goes on to the woman who allegedly, maybe, possibly, there are tweets online now that have resurfaced about her saying that Drake is a deadbeat dad. <laughs> you know? He then goes on to talk about how the woman that Drake allegedly has gotten pregnant may or may not have been a stripper, or not a stripper, I'm sorry, a porn, a porn star. <laughs> you feel me? And you just like, what? <laughs> that was, and then all of that happens. I'm sorry. He then also talks about how his dad wears Steve Harvey suits, which I thought was pretty funny. But all of that happens in 90 seconds. 90 seconds of rapping. Pusha T did all that. I don't know how. It was so disrespectful. It, but it wasn't like disrespectful like Jay Super Ugly was disrespectful. It was disrespectful because the tone was kind of like, like again, he starts off, let's have a heart to heart. He, the way he was talking to it was like a therapist talking to their client, I'm assuming. Like, yo, these are, these are issues that I'm concerned about. And then Push jumped out there butt naked and then went on his homeboy who suffers from multiple sclerosis, a disease, mind you, that is near and dear to my heart. My mom, God bless the day, she passed because of uh, complications with multiple sclerosis herself. But... A lot of people are very sensitive to those remarks. To me, I wasn't really, you know, again, everybody handles that type of stuff differently. Man, when you rapping, when you in a battle, that type of stuff, like, hey, 
you know? And again, we also need to remember Drake has taken shots at Kid Cudi in the past. Kid Cudi has dealt with depression, you know? And as Kid Cudi, I think, was actually in rehab or in the war, whatever the case, wherever he was, that's when Drake released some of those shots. So, again, you open up a can of, of worms, them joints, be careful, them joints may come back to you, you know, get you right on your face, right? But all this happens. And then, and then, <laughs> push it into, like, yo, this is volume one, which leads me to believe that he's got, he's got some other stuff. So I'm listening to this, and I'm, and I'm just like, yo, what? Again, this is three minutes. He went through so much of it in just 90 seconds. And you're just holding your mouth like, yo, what, what? Like, why did it have to go? Like, why do y'all want to be rappers, man? Rappers are mean, Slim. <laughs> you feel me? Somebody say that about my, my mother, my, my child, right? My dad. I got to fight you, bro. We got to fight. And then, and then after listening to the song, you see that there's artwork that accompanies the song. And it is Drake in blackface. And you're just like, my God, how is this? How, where did you get this picture? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Drake, the guy who killed Meek off of memes and like social media, the guy who sent the invoice the Friday before Memorial Day. I have gone back and forth on this. I don't know what's more scathing. The, the song, the part about the deadbeat dad, the part about Drake's mom, right? The fact that, you know, the, 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 you know, having a child with the porn star, all this stuff is tough. And, or the artwork, like Drake being in blackface, because Push has tied this, this issue with Drake and his blackness from infrared. There was a little shot there. And I'm not going to repeat it. Y'all can listen to it. He, he throws a little line about Drake and, you know, tap dancing, if you will, right? And then he, he, he just makes one brief mention of Drake. And how he identifies. And then you see the cover or the, 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 the cover art, if you will. And he's just kind of leading you down this line. And I got to believe there's more. Right? You just don't come out like that. This was the, the first response. Then they say that this, it came out six years to the day from Exodus. Right? And if you haven't heard Exodus 23.1. And his push going at it, this is six years ago, when he was going at Morsley Wayne, but he took some shots at Drake back then too. Slim, when we think about calculating, you always give the edge to Drake. Always. And look, I'm not going to sleep on Drake because Drake can spit his ass off. Again, we got to get past the point of thinking that Drake can't rap because Drake can. He absolutely can. But damn it, he got to come with it. And now we're at a point now where we're like, yo, should Drake even respond? And now initially when I heard people start bringing that up, I was like, this, I mean, y'all bama, y'all crazy. Of course he got to respond. But think for a second. Push has taken it already to a place where we have never seen Drake respond. Like we've never seen Drake go this, this low, this dirty. And again, every time Drake comes at Push, it's the same stuff, right? He hasn't brought anything new. They're booby traps. Push has put booby traps all around. Right? What's Drake? Think about, think about it. Apparently, the story of Adidon. Adidon, everybody's like, what is Adidon? What does that mean? Apparently, that's that was the line 
you know, Drake has recently signed to Adidas. So that was going to be the name of his line of Adidas apparel. If he keeps it that way, every time you hear Adon, right, Adidon or whatever the case, you type it up on in, in, uh, Twitter, Adidon, top result is going to be that picture of Drake in blackface. No matter what, Google it. One of the Google images, him with that. That if, if he keeps the name Adidon, every time you talk about it, that is going to be associated with it. Not only that, when he brings it up, when he rolls out his new apparel line, Adidon, if he keeps the name, people may ask him, okay, well, what is this about your son? If he, the idea apparently was the rollout, and this is something that Push mentioned in the song, which is crazy, that he was going to wait. It was going to be like this big unveil, like reveal. Like part of the rollout was going to be like his son in the gear or whatever. Well, now people could be like, yo, hold on. Why do you wait until you have an apparel, you know, line to, to, to associate with your child? Which is a legitimate question. Booby traps, right? If Drake responds, can he respond? Like, do you take time from your response to address the fact that you were in blackface? Because, dog, you got an answer for that. I don't care. If it was for a show or because your homeboy, you got people who have a clothing line. Slim, you were in blackface. You could have said no. Think about it. Drake fans, and I like Drake. Don't get me wrong. I like Drake. But some of, some of Drake's fans, they are. Good God, you think they're in a cult. Have you heard people have already? Remember when Meek made the line about Drake getting peed on? And everybody's like, oh, he's not talking about Drake. He's talking about Safari. And then the, the information actually came out. And then just that quickly, they were like, oh, well, did you see T.I.'s friend? He's a big dude. He's a bodybuilder. Like, of course, he, Drake's going to let him pee on you. Like, what? Like the, the mental gymnastics that some of Drake's fans, and it's not just Drake's fans. I'm sure Push's fans are the same way. There's just not that many of them. You know, that's not a shot at Push. But, I mean, come on. Drake is way more popular. But when, when Drake took his shots at Push, I'm sure a lot of people were like, oh, here you go. Of course, Drake, you talk about money or he didn't do this drug, whatever, whatever. You could be a fan. I'm a fan of Push. I heard the Duffy Freestyle. I was like, God damn, Push, you, you okay? So you got Drake fans talking about, oh, man, he's an actor. Oh, he, this is part of a little documentary or part of a miniseries. No, I know a lot of people who wouldn't, who act who would never be caught dead face in blackface. And here's the, here's the kicker. They made Push take that, that uh, image down. He had it on Instagram. They made him take it down. So if you got a problem, with, if, it's, if it's just, hey, I was acting, why you got the image down? There's the tweet from the photographer. Hey, man, y'all got to take that Push the T image down. Drake doesn't like that. All this is out there. So if you, if it was something just, to, if it was like, hey, man, I'm just acting. I got no... I'm not worried about that. Why'd you take it down? Right? Why'd you take it down? There are booby traps all around here. Push already said, man, dope deal on the side. Ghost right in the side. So don't come back with some, oh, uh, you, you a fake Pablo. You a fake dope dealer. Nah, nobody want to hear that no more. <laughs> I don't know how Drake does it. And I'm not going to say that Drake can't do it because the boy is talented. The boy can spit his ass off. He's clever. He's sharp. But man, it's not looking. It's not looking good. And we gotta know: Is Drake ready? Is he capable 
right? Is he ready, willing, and able to get dirty, to go, to take, to get personal? Because, look, Pusher, Pusher may have stepped out of bounds on his shot with Drake's homeboy 40. Absolutely, I'm willing to say that. You think Drake is ready to jump out of there with some of the people that Push associates with? Now, I'm not talking Kanye. Again, Push, booby trap. He's like, nah, don't talk about Kanye no more. I'm selfish. I want all the curses. He's like, keep it on me. Push ain't going to talk about none of them boys who's running down in the 757. Or Drake ain't going to talk about none of them who run with the clips. He don't want it. He can't get personal with some of the people that Push is cool with. Because it's different worlds, baby. It's, I can't wait till the response. Because Drake's coming. You know he's coming. But he better take his time. Push was smart. Everybody wanted Push to respond immediately. Push had everything ready and it had everything right. It's the perfect storm. The quicker Drake responds, to me at least, I feel like he runs the danger of stepping in, stepping on the landmine. He got to take his time. If he don't, and honestly, if Drake was like, you know what, I'm done. Or if Drake comes out with a song and he and he keeps talking about Kanye and maybe he sends a little light jab at Push and be like, you know what, you took it too far. I'm not going to try to do like the I'm the bigger man thing. That may be the play because I don't know if he want to scrap it with Push because Push not only did was Push, Push is super mean, Joe, like super disrespectful, but he sounds like he has so much more. He talking about it's going to be a surgical summer. Dog, summer hasn't started yet. That should scare everybody. <laughs> I want to know what you guys feel. I'm going to talk about, talk about this more with Troy in the third quarter. But you guys listening, let me know what you guys think. Who won the beef? Or at least thus far, who's ahead? What did you think about the Duppy Freestyle? What did you think about the story of Adidon? I'm interested in hearing what you guys want to know. Like what, How you guys feel about the situation. Should Drake respond? Or should he just let it go? Because Drake going to be fine regardless. Drake has reached the level of invisibility in terms of his career. His career is going to be fine. He has reached the pinnacle, right? He's good. Should he respond? Because at this point, you just gas and push her up now. Like, push is going to ride this wave as long as he can. We remember what happened with Nikki and Remy Ma just last year. Nikki just stopped. And then Remy just kind of faded away. And now Nikki's got more heat, not more... Now she took a ass, she took some, she took a blow. She's not nearly as one as she once was, but Nikki's not the artist or doesn't have the popularity that Drake does. So maybe the best thing Drake could do, let it let it go. Cause they've been going at it for almost a decade now, man. For at least over half a decade. So let me know what you guys think. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Or you can email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com again let me know what you guys think of the songs who do you have winning what do you want to see next do you think push was all out of bounds or is this just kind of the parameters that drake set up initially man that was a supersized edition of a first quarter but that may not have even been the best thing that happened on tuesday night this is what i'm saying tuesday night made me change the whole show and if you don't know what i'm talking about now you will in a few seconds. It's our second topic this week. Second quarter. As if the Drake Pusha T beef, right? The, the latest round of their ongoing saga wasn't enough chaos for you, right? Later that night, Tuesday night, while everyone is on the timeline, listening to the music, cracking their jokes, 
making their memes, doing all this stuff, right? Out of the blue, the ringer drops this bombshell investigative article where it seems that they have linked not one, not two, not three, not four, but five burner accounts to Philadelphia 76ers general manager, Brian Colangelo. Now on its face, having a burner account is not problematic, at least how I feel, right? I don't have any burner accounts. I have two uh, Twitter handles. Like I'm not really on, I got an Instagram. Make sure you guys follow it, right? Quarterly report on Instagram. I have my show's uh, Twitter page, which is quarterly show on Twitter. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. And then I have my personal account. My personal account, you know, I I do what I want to do, essentially, okay? So you may find me tweeting some some political stuff or uh, a lot of stuff that deals with social issues. Uh, I crack jokes on there. A lot of Clay Davis memes. A lot of Clay Davis gifs or gifs, whatever you want to say it. And then obviously sports and personal stuff. That's me, right? Which is one of the reasons why I don't give out my personal handle for the show. Because if you listen to the show, you know, you may not care what I feel about other things that we don't discuss on the show. And that's fine, right? That's why the show and the only Twitter handle I give you guys is the show. Because the show is just about sports and things that happen and, you know, current events, whether it's television uh, I don't like saying pop culture, but damn it, pop culture, right? Because a lot of people don't want to hear my views on a lot of different issues, especially if it's stuff that I don't necessarily talk about on the show. I keep politics out of the show. Social issues aren't politics, so from time to time, they, they do come up on the show. But more times than not, this show is fun, lighthearted stuff with, you know, a lot of um, important content that may rear its head into daily uh, conversation. So that's why, you know, I understand completely why coaches or agents or players or front office execs, anyone with a lot of power um, and a lot of um, influence, I do get why they would have burner accounts. So the burner account, the five burner accounts, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. You know, I know people who like, Tweets, not necessarily because they agree with them, but like if they're busy or something, if someone tweets out something or a links an article or a song or something that's funny or Vine, whatever the case, they like it because they have to get up and go. And then later they can go back and see what it is that they like. It's kind of like a, a bookmark, if you will. Right. Well, you can you can understand how problematic that could be if a front office exec likes something. Right. And he's just liking it so he can remember it. And someone look, yo, look at, you know, Brian Colangelo like this article from this guy who also said this just yesterday. It become, it can get messy. So if you do, I can understand why someone would just, if we're just talking about in a vacuum, I get why people in positions of power and influence would have burner accounts. But it doesn't stop there. Because the ringer, <laughs> I don't even, the whole story is crazy. But these accounts weren't just there. They didn't just exist for information. 
No, 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 no. These accounts took shots at Jaleel Okafor while he was a 76er. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Brett Brown. They took shots at Masai Ujiri, the man who replaced Colangelo in Toronto, who cleaned up. I mean, this was something that I, I was reading the article. And again, I'm writing the high off of Pusha T's disc, and then this comes afterwards, and my jaw never closed. My mouth is like all the way open. I'm reading this like, what? And the ring, like, <laughs> shout out to Bill Simmons and the ringer, man. God damn it, boy. They don't play. Celtics fans don't play. You even come close to, like, scratching and sniffing around their perceived territory. Oh, they coming for you. Now, the article, I, I definitely recommend you guys reading it if you haven't already. And I can't imagine that you haven't. But if you haven't, I'll give you the very short uh, version. I forget the writer's name, too, and I'm sorry about it because it's such a dope story. But this, this guy at the ringer gets a, an anonymous tip that there are some uh, burner accounts where there are people in high places who are sending these tweets, uh, taking shots at the organization and, again, some of the marquee players. Now, the writer initially is very skeptical of it, doesn't believe it, but he, he checks it out. After doing some research and seeing some of these tweets and some of the stuff, I mean, very personal uh, medical information is released, all types of stuff. Shots at people. I mean, <laughs> there was a fan taking a shot at Colangelo's collar, and then one of the accounts took offense. To, it's just so strange, so petty, right? Then the guy, the writer, sends this information to someone, and they do some type of data research, and they're like, yo, there's so many similarities with all these burner accounts with Brian Colangelo. Like, they follow the same people. The same people follow them. Following, like, coaches of his son and son's friends and all this stuff that is just so hard to believe that Brian Colangelo doesn't have some type of um, influence over these accounts. So, the writer, again, doing very thorough research, all of which is documented in the article. He calls the Philadelphia 76ers and asks him about one of the accounts or two maybe right knowing that there are three more he just brings up the two just to see what happens right sends out a filler <laughs> the the organization gets back to him but before he does all of the accounts are suspended right the organization says yeah you know what brian colangelo is the owner of this one account or maybe these two accounts, whatever the case, one of them that's been, hasn't tweeted anything. But again, all of them didn't get deactivated, even though that they don't know that he knows about the others. And then internet sleuths just go crazy. And then on Wednesday night, we come to find out, you know, some more of the internet Sherlock's. They have now gotten that it's probably not Brian Colangelo who's running the other the, the accounts that the, that do tweet the really uh, inflammatory tweets, right? That they have now linked it to Brian Colangelo's wife. Again, these are tweets that are saying very, very sensitive and team-specific information. So this stuff that comes out, 
it's not just some dude who's just making stuff up. You know, they've said the emails, <laughs> the emails are linked to Colangelo and that the phone number possibly is Colangelo's wife. I mean, it's just amazing. And if that wasn't enough, Joel Embiid, Twitter, you know, the Twitter king, he goes awful Tuesday night taking shots on Colangelo saying he's not Sam Hankey. It was unbelievable. He start Joel Embiid starts liking all of the negative tweets from the burner accounts. It was like, what? All this is playing out in real time, too. Tuesday night, one of the greatest nights on social media ever, at least from someone like me who's only been on social media for like maybe three years, three, four years, three years now, three and a half, maybe something like that. I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. But beyond the jokes, we got to dig deeper a little bit, right? The NBA got rid, got Sam Hankey out of Philadelphia because he was quote, an embarrassment to the league with the quote-unquote process. How embarrassed does the league feel right now that on the eve of the NBA Finals, one of the teams, the, the exec that the NBA had a hand in putting in place, getting his him this position, is doing this crazy mess. His family, he must be so insecure. Again, they're taking shots at Masai Ujiri. Masai got nothing to do with any of this except for he cleaned up Colangelo's mess in Toronto. They're taking shots at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Bro, they're the reason that you are being looked upon as the success story. I don't know how fragile your ego must be for this to be the case, right? And again, we don't. it's not confirmed that Brian Colangelo or his wife we're making these tweets, but damn it, okay? You know the, the saying, when there's smoke, there's fire? It's smoking all over this joint, man. It's smoking all up and down this joint. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah, talk about Smokey Robinson, baby. Tears from the crown. It's everywhere, baby. And the, the Sixers just got relevant. The Sixers just came back. The Sixers just put themselves and in prime position, prime position to not only make a run at LeBron James, but also trade for Kawhi Leonard this offseason. You understand? You think LeBron wants to come deal with this mess? This is a no-win situation for Brian Colangelo. <laughs> it's a no-win. The team is even doing an internal investigation. Think about it. It wasn't the New York Times who had this. It wasn't the Wall Street Journal. It was the damn ringer. No disrespect to the ringer. Again, Bill Simmons, if you listen to this podcast, I love the work for you, bro. But let's keep it funky. You know, the ringer makes an article and then the, and then less than a day later, the team is ready to do an investigative, uh, an investigation on Brian Colangelo off the strength of an article. Come on, man. Come on, man. Sam Hankey, man, the, the legend of Sam Hankey just grows by the day. Can you imagine? I tweeted this during the entire extravaganza Tuesday night. Can you imagine when they get Colangelo up out of Philadelphia and Hankey was like, you know what? I do want to come back. I want my job. 
They treat his ass like King Jaffe Jofa out that joint. Man, he would be walking on rose petals. You know what I'm saying? He'd have a police escort just to go to a fast food restaurant. He'd have damn the like. He got Simba laid off across his shoulder. The whole nine, Joe. Oh, my goodness. How does this happen? How does that happen? Is the NBA right in front of the finals. <laughs> right before the finals, this came out. Damn it. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care what anyone says. I love the NBA more and more. This league is one of a kind, Joe. We all know the Warriors are going to punish the Cavaliers. We all know it. <laughs> Man, no league gets jokes off better than the NBA. Nobody. All right, guys, you heard the horn. It means it's halftime, but we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Again, I told you guys, had to scrap the show, right? Show was almost done Tuesday night. I just had to do my interview in halftime, and then everything went straight to hell. And I had to redo the show. And I went super long in the first quarter. I went a little bit long in the second quarter. I'm probably going to go super long in the third quarter with my interview with Troy Halliburton. So there will not be a halftime this week, okay? We're just going to keep, we're just going to stay busy. It's a lot of stuff to discuss. It's a lot of, a lot of topics to get and address. So we're not going to waste any time with the, you know, the fun of games because these topics are fun and it's nothing but games going on with these four quarters. So we're not going to have halftime this week. We're not going to have stoppage time this week, but don't worry. Emails. I know you guys, some of you guys have emailed me over the last week. Don't worry. Next week, we'll have stoppage time. In fact, we'll have stoppage time the next two weeks because I'm sure a lot of you all want to weigh in on the Drake Pusher stuff, the Colangelo story, and everything else that we still have not even addressed yet. We haven't even talked about LeBron and Michael Jordan yet. Young, That was going to be my first quarter before I had to re restack the show on Tuesday. So no halftime this week, no stoppage time, but things will get back to normal next week. All right. All right. So let's keep the show moving with our third quarter as my guest, Troy Halliburton, stops by to weigh in on everything. Third quarter. He is a contributor for truthabouta.net. You all know the website in the D.C. area nationally. Check out the website. Great basketball stuff. Focus on the Wizards. But the Wizards have been one of the more entertaining teams this league, and it's an entertaining website. You also can follow him on Twitter. He's at Troy Halliburton. That's H-A-L-I-B-U-R. It's my guy quickly becoming one of my favorite guests on the show, Troy Halliburton. Troy, what's going on, bro? Armand, man, this is this is a a, a glorious day in hip hop history, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you ain't lying, Joe. I felt like a kid, you know, on Christmas Eve. I was so excited knowing that you know the interview with you was coming up because I I, I just I couldn't get enough of all the the memes and the content and the jokes, man. Tuesday night was just hilarious so you know earlier in the show i already kind of gave my two cents and weighed in on the entire uh drake push beef or situation whatever you want to ca call it so i guess my my first question to you is you know what are your thoughts on just you know your initial reaction from everything that's popped off starting from last friday with infrared the duppy freestyle culminating obviously with the uh, story of Adidas. All right. Well, I think that uh, on, on Friday, you know, when when uh, when Daytona first dropped, and you know, people it had been buzzing around, you know, the industry that you know infrared that he had been talking about Drake, 
And really, you know, he only, he only gave Drake the, the one line from, from Infrared, but, I mean, that was enough to get Aubrey riled up. And I think that, you know, honestly, I mean, Pusha T is clearly, he's playing advanced level chess right now because he knew that, you know, just that one little line would get Drake so riled up that he would, you know, have to respond knowing that he had, you know, a full clip ready to extend. So, I mean, Drake, the Duffy Freestyle, I mean, when I first heard it, you know, I, you know, I was taken aback. I, I was, I was like, oh, he's kind of taking shots at uh, Pusha. He's taking shots at the whole label. He's taking shots at Kanye West. You know, he told, he told Pusha he's not even top five as far as label mates go. Like, you know, he, he, he thought that, you know, I'm sure that Drake went to sleep, you know, uh, over the Memorial Day weekend, you know, patting himself on the back because he thought that, you know, he had accomplished something. But boy, did that change last night. <laughs> Yo, man, once again, I'm joined by my guy, Troy Halliburton. He's a contributor for truthandfinder.net. If you're in the D.C. area, you already know it's the best website about Wizards coverage in the area. But nationally, all y'all rocking with me outside of the DMV area, man, check out the website. It's really fun, a really dope, a lot of really talented writers, Troy included, over there. So check out that website. And Troy, man, you 100% right, Joe. Push was playing, like, 3D chess. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many booby traps throughout the response in Adonis, man. Like, throughout the entire thing. I mean, just think about the name. Everybody was like, Adidon. What is Adidon? Now, you know, we're starting to, starting to discover more information. Adidon is the name of Push's new apparel line with Adidas, you know? And apparently the big reveal, he was when he was going to do his rollout for his apparel, he was going to have the big reveal that he's a father and his son was going to be a part of that. Like, you can't do that now. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because like, forget about the pride and, and like, the, just the shot about being a bad father. There's a financial impl implication now. You know what I mean? Because all that money that has been put into this rollout, you got to scrap it. Because that's, that's, a, that's just not a good look. You can't go that route anymore. Also, when you think about it, man, I mean, one of the lines in the song was like, yo, I don't want Kanye, no shots at Kanye. I'm, I'm selfish. I want all the curses. Like, people not rocking with Kanye right now for obvious reasons. I was thinking Drake could save face and be like, yo, Push, you know, you, you talking about all this other stuff. I'm disqualifying. Like, you, you know, you out of line. I'm not even going to respond to you. I'm just going to take aim at your boss, Kanye. And he could, he could fake, like, save face, if you will, just taking shots at Kanye. But Push already pulled that card. Like, nah, stop talking about Kanye. Talk about me. Because in the Duppy freestyle, the hardest lines were directed towards Kanye. And third and finally... The song starts off, it was brilliant. I mean, booby traps everywhere. The song starts off like enough, you know, ghost riding aside, drug dealing aside. You know what I mean? Like, the whole thing so far, over the years, all Drake has said about Push was, you know, he not really selling like that. Or he didn't sell like that. And up until this point, everybody who came at Drake was, yo, you just don't write your rhymes. Adidon is not about he he starts the song like nah we ain't talking about this I'm on some new stuff now it's just talk about your pride everywhere. let's talk about that yeah man booby traps everywhere and I think that okay well one of the things when they say let's talk about his pride I think uh, let's go to the artwork that he used for yeah. his black pride or lack of black pride because I mean I don't know I don't know what type of self respecting 
you know, quote-unquote black man, you know, poses in blackface uh, for a, a photo shoot. I mean, I don't, I don't care, you know, how much the, the money is or what type of art you're trying to portray. You know, that's just like a, that's just a bad look. But, yeah. I mean, let's get to the fact that, I don't know, I mean, Pusha T had to, he had to have the Mueller investigators on his squad because, I mean, that, that picture's been on the Internet for a decade and not one, and Drake has had beefs with, you know, numerous rappers, Joe Budden, Meek Mill. Like, nobody's been able to find this picture of him on the Internet. So, you know, I got to give Pusha T's uh, investigative journalism skills, uh, you know, a, a, a head nod, you know. <laughs> Once again, guys, I'm joined by Troy Halliburton, the contributor for truthaboutit.net. Make sure you check out that website. Make sure you follow Troy on Twitter. Really fun follow, really dope follow. He's at Troy Halliburton. That's H-A-L-I-B-U-R. And, yeah, man, like, I don't – the whole blackface thing is crazy to me. You know, I don't care if you are an actor. Denzel ain't been in blackface. There are a lot of people trying to get on acting. You, you know, like, I don't know. That just that just doesn't work. That just doesn't work. And again, we talk about booby traps. Drake has to respond to the the imagery, right? He he has to respond there. But you can't take time out of a disc to talk about somebody exposing pictures of you in blackface the Chinese crazy again and i love to hear your thoughts on this if i'm drake i seriously consider just completely you know turning my attention to just dissing kanye you know what i mean because i don't know if drake has it in him to go with push because push is deep down in the dirt in the gutter man seven five seven with it I don't know if Drake has it in him to just go there in a play to a place where Push is clearly comfortable residing. I mean, I agree with that 100%. I don't I mean, he's I mean, Push has shown a willingness to go to a level that I don't I don't think that Drake is is capable of. I think, you know, his heart just doesn't really pump that, you know, that cold-bloodedness. I think that honestly, I would not be surprised if you know, Drake found a way to, you know, have it end here or try to reach out and, you know, try to make amends or or maybe even, you know, he'll, he'll have his to court. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe he'll have to sue him or something. I don't know. But, you know, honestly, I think that Drake, you know, it, it would not behoove him to, you know, kind of keep this, this, this kind of war going with Pusha T because, Honestly, I mean, I mean, Pusha, he he has nothing to lose in this situation, and Drake is, you know, the 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 multi-million dollar selling all his multi-platinum selling artists. You know, he he has, you know, a lot more to lose as far as you know his status in mainstream America and mainstream culture. So, you know, I, I think honestly, you know, there there's only only bad things can come for his part if he continues this uh, this beef. Yeah, and, and like you said at the beginning of the interview, this is just so good for hip-hop. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm a huge Godfather fan. And, like, just thinking back of some of Drake's beefs, it just kind of makes perfect sense. Like, Common, he was sunny. You know, when Common went at Drake, he was just all out of emotion. You know, it was completely emotional because of the Serena issue. So Common just went clapping at him, and it wasn't – it wasn't – no strategy wasn't calculated – and, you know, that was ultimately Common's demise. Meek, he was Fredo, man. Like, he didn't have no plan. He didn't know what he was doing. He just wasn't cut out for it. He jumped out there, and Drake made easy work out of him. Like, that was super light. But Push, man, Push is Michael because every move, every step has been calculated. 
is a strategy behind everything. And he's it's, it's almost as if Drake now is reacting and push is setting the tone, dictating the pace to use a basketball reference. And uh, it's just not looking good for your boy from Toronto. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy the fact that I don't know how the thing is that, that's most surprising is the fact that, okay, Drake knows that he has this baby mother drama and all of these things going on in his personal life. Like, he had to know that eventually that Pusha T, like, with him being, you know, the, you know, the renowned lyricist that he is, that this was a possibility. So, I mean, maybe, maybe Drake actually does want the smoke. I don't know. Like, the thing is, like, it, cause, or either he wants the smoke or he severely underestimated, um, you know, how far Pusha was willing to take this. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guy, Troy Halliburton. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Troy Halliburton. He's a contributor for truthaboutit.net. And Troy, like, that's how my Tuesday evening started. You know, I'm listening to the diss. I'm having fun laughing with everybody else on the timeline, looking at the memes and the videos and everything like that. And then out of nowhere, <laughs> the ringer of all places comes out with their uh, foray, foray into investigative journalism. And they're... There's nothing confirmed yet. I mean, there's one confirmation that Brian Colangelo had at least one burner account. But there are four others to be addressed, and like the sleuths are starting to put the pieces together. There's a lot of smoke around Brian or his family, maybe his wife, whatever the case may be. And I'm thinking to myself, man, what in the world? Not only does he have a burner account, in these burner accounts, someone closely associated to Brian Colangelo they're taking shots at 76ers players, releasing sensitive information about medical history. They're taking shots at Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, two franchise players. My question to you is, how do you wrap your head around that? Because that's tough. Um, I actually, I have the, the way I wrap my mind around it is that it's all completely believable because we live in this day and age of, uh, you know, where, where social media plays such a strong presence that, you know, teams are willing to, you know, go to extensive lengths to, to you know, I guess, uh, you know, find information on their players. Now, to, for him to be trolling his own players and, you know, releasing sensitive information, you know, that is – I don't know, that, that is where the story becomes, like, very weird. Because, I, I mean, I know for a fact that NBA teams uh, have NBA, NBA coaches or NBA GMs around the league. It's not just Colangelo. Have burner accounts. Like, this isn't an uncommon thing. So this is, like, this, and this is like so I have a friend who's a scout for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he tells me that this is common practice um, uh, throughout the league, that, you know, GMs have burner accounts. So, but for, you know, it's one thing to have a burner account to, to go out and you're seeking information as a GM, but it's another thing to be going out and, you know, putting out misinformation or, or uh, trolling your own players. That's where it's like, this becomes just a weird, like, character flaw for, you know, Brian Colangelo as a person. Because, you know, yeah. he, he's, he's taking something that, you know, is, is, is not that uncommon practice in the league, but it might not be common knowledge for everyone else that, you know, these GMs have burner accounts and stuff. But, I mean, he, he's just revealing, like, some true character flaws as a person to, to, you know, just be doing some of the things that he's accused of. I mean, and if these things come to be true, I mean, this is kind of inexcusable. <laughs> you know, you, make up a, you bring up an interesting point about character flaws. I can't even imagine 
how insecure someone must be to 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 have that even around them. You know what I mean? To to respond and to to make you know uh, take shots at their own players by several different accounts, or maybe relaying messages to spouses or close family members. It's crazy. And the fact of the matter is, the Sixers just got relevant. They are just got to a place where they can be respected. And by no real uh, work or cause from Colangelo, by the way. So he's been able to ride the wave of someone else's labor and hard work. And we end up at a place now where you're taking shots at your own players. And the crazy thing is, Philadelphia has gotten to a position where LeBron, there have been rumors that he would consider playing there next offseason. That I can't imagine that happens if Colangelo is still in office. So whether or not these allegations or rumors are completely confirmed one way or the other, I can't see how Brian Colangelo survives this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this uh, this this story makes uh, Colangelo a liability for the organization. And I, I mean, quite honestly, I don't I don't see that there's being a possible way he can make it through this. Especially because you know Joel Embiid, you know he's you know he's probably one of the more um, I don't know technological savvy players in the NBA. You know you right. can see you go through his likes yesterday. He's going through looking for the burner account. They don't they don't have to hire any any investigative journalists because Embiid is that. Like he right. he's going through the burner accounts. He's going through anybody who's ever added him. He's going to find it. <laughs> you know and and when and when the star player is, you know, so social media heavy and he's, you know, like he he's of the culture and he knows what's going on. I mean, there's no way that he's going to uh, uh allow for Colangelo to stay there after finding out this stuff is true. And I I mean, I'm honestly I believe that a lot of the things that they're saying has merit and where there's smoke there is fire. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's hard to disagree with that position. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guy, Troy Halliburton. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Troy Halliburton. That's Troy, H-A-L-I-B-U-R. He's a contributor for truthaboutit.net, the best Wizards website in the area. If you're in the D.C. area, you already know about it. But everybody, all my other listeners outside of the area, check out the website if you love NBA coverage and if you like to see and read smart people talk about the, the game of basketball. All right, Troy, so, you know, this was going to be my first quarter before I had to scrap the whole show. And obviously, it's one of the biggest talking points, not just in the NBA, but of all the sports. Of course, I'm talking about LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, I usually don't even try to engage in these discussions anymore because I feel people feel so strongly about whatever, which, whichever side they fall upon that no matter how well you communicate or debate or articulate your side, or whatever great points you may be able to communicate, you're not going to change anyone's mind by words, right? You know, just something is going to have to happen to them in their own personal moment where they will change their minds because you're not going to be able to convince anyone to change their, their stance on either side with your words because people feel so strongly about this case. Um, I personally think Jordan is better than, than LeBron, but when I hear either side say that it's not close, this player is way better than the other or vice versa. I roll my eyes because there's just no way I feel that anyone who watches the game of basketball could, could make that case. I feel like, you know, they're both at the table. They both sit at the head of the table. Maybe LeBron, maybe Jordan eats, gets to pick his food first, 
But you know what? They're both sitting there and they're both eating at the head of the table. I wonder, who do you think is the best player of all time? And do you think there is a significant gap between the two players? Well, well uh, to, quote, to quote your line, we you said, when the food comes first, to quote the great Chris Rock, I'm going to have to give the big piece of chicken to my man, MJ. You know, right. and I, I grew up, I'm a, LeBron, I'm a LeBron fan. I grew up watching LeBron, and I think that he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But I can remember as a kid, you know, seeing some of the greatest things that, that you know, I've ever seen on the basketball court. And, and Michael Jordan was that. Like, I've even gone back and watched some of, uh, you know, the uh, uh, NBA, TV, NBA classic games. And, you know, people forget, you know, 1998 when they won the, the, his last championship against the Jazz, you know, they were down in the fourth quarter of that game. They were going to be facing the game seven. Jordan took that game over. And I think that, you know, Jordan just had this, uh, this mystique around him where, you know, when the, when the, when the going got tough, he, he just seemed to always come through. So, and I think that LeBron, when you talk about just that, well, I like a, um, a point that you just made. Anybody who says that, you know, one is uh, heavily uh, favored over the other, you know, that's just being kind of a little disingenuous. Like, I think they're close enough statistically where the conversation isn't ridiculous. It, it really depends on, you know, your personal preference. And I'm with you. That 2011 finals appearance is a major blemish on LeBron's record, on, on his resume. And I, I, don't, I just, for that, for that reason alone, and MJ's six for six from the finals, I, I just can't give it to LeBron right now. He, MJ's going to have to get – he's going to get the big piece of chicken. He's going to get the breast. You know, LeBron, LeBron, he, 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 could put the, he could put together two thighs, and, you know, he, he, can, but it, it, he can't get the big piece of chicken, though. <laughs> yeah, man, again, it's fun to have these debates. I, I enjoy doing it, if we're going to be honest, right? If you are listening to this podcast and you feel that LeBron is better than Jordan, Cool. I got no problem with that. I disagree with you, but there is definitely a case to be made. But, you know, and maybe this speaks larger to a larger point as us as a society. I feel like any time now where there's a, a heated topic, each individual side just bunkers in on where they're at and they can't be moved. And they just start hurling straw mans at each other. And no one, you know, no one is honest and open about actually having a discussion. And then we just come to a point where people just speak or write or tweet just to hear themselves or see themselves be heard. And that's just incredibly exhausting. Yeah, I mean, that's a, you're exactly right about that. And I think that, you know, uh, a lot of people in, this, in the sports media uh, world that we live in nowadays, you know, people get a lot of clicks by having headlines yeah. saying LeBron isn't this or LeBron isn't that, you know. Skip Bayless has made a whole career over the last 10 years right. of trashing LeBron. People like Cal, uh, Colin Cowherd, they've made careers off of, you know, slandering this man. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a business, and, you know, uh, slandering LeBron, is a, is business is booming for that. So, you know, I, I honestly, I, I don't have a problem with anybody who has a preference, but I just, I think the one thing that LeBron has in his advantage, though, is the fact that his career is not over so yeah. he can still, you know, he can still, you know, kind of change this narrative and change that argument. You know, if LeBron were to somehow miraculously beat this Warriors team, you know, that, yeah. that, might, that, might, that, might, that might get him at least Make the same size piece of chicken. <laughs> Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guy, Troy Halliburton. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Troy Halliburton. That's H-A-L-I-B-U-R. 
And if you do follow him, you saw a tweet Troy had earlier this week, and it got me thinking because I was surprised that Kyrie didn't get more backlash for this move. If you guys aren't familiar, Kyrie wasn't at the game for Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Final versus Cleveland. Apparently, the excuse is he had a non-emergency surgery, um, and he chose to, for whatever reason, he chose Game 7 of the NBA Finals on a Sunday to get that surgery done. Um, You brought this up on Twitter, and again, I'm surprised that he didn't get more heat for it. Mark Jackson made it a big thing during the broadcast saying how Kyrie is more important than an assistant coach. I'm not saying it. I'm not taking it that far, but it does kind of, I don't know, raise questions about Kyrie. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, take a deeper dive on your feelings on Kyrie's, um, because it's bad optics in my opinion, but what are your feelings on Kyrie's absence for game seven? Yeah, I mean, I think that this kind of it, – it's more of like – it's like a microcosm of, you know, the perception already surrounding Kyrie of him, you know, not being, you know, a team-first type of player. And it, I think it, it's a very selfish act because, I mean, honestly, the, like for him to elect to have a non-emergency surgery – the, the day before or the day of uh, the game, the biggest right. game of, the, uh, of your franchise's season, you know, I mean, I think it, it just really shows that your unwillingness to put uh, yourself behind, you know, what, the greater good of the team. And I think that, I mean, it, obviously what you said is correct. The optics behind him not being there looks bad. But in his mind, he's thinking about the optics of what happens if he does show up because, you know, the camera is going to be on him. They're going to be you know, looking at his facial expressions or they're going to, they're going to see what, what does LeBron do? Does he come over? Does he give him a dap after, you know, after they win? Or even if they would have lost. I don't know. It, it just I, it, it comes off as a selfish act from a player who already receives uh, media scrutiny for being a perceived selfish player. And I, I honestly, I think that it's it's just a bad look for him as a as a as a basketball player and as a supposed leader and you know that comes with being a franchise player like you know they say what you will about John Wall and I I've I've actually conceded the argument you know that you know Kyrie's a better player than John Wall I'll I'll give that up you know ten times out of ten now but John Wall would never if John Wall was hurt he would never just miss the game seven because he's a leader. Like he he shows that that's there's there are certain things that you have to do when you are the franchise player. It's not about just what you do on the basketball court. Being a franchise player is an all encompassing position, and I think that you know uh, that's part of the reason what what makes you know some that separates some good players from great players or some great players from you know all time greats or Hall of Famers. You know, and I think that. You know, and, and this is not to say that, you know, Kyrie is not going to be a Hall of Famer or he's not going to do this. It, it's, it's, it's one moment. It's just a blemish on his record. But I think it, it's definitely a blemish on his, on, on his record as a leader. So, that, I mean, that, I don't know. It, I, I, I said that it was some sucker shit. <laughs> and I don't, honestly, I, I, I will stand behind that statement because it's just not something that a leader should do. Once again, that's my guy, Troy Halliburton. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Troy Halliburton. He's a contributor for truthaboutit.net. If you're in the area, you already know about the website, but it's not just locally, guys. 
check out the website if you're not in the D.C. area, man. It's really fun, really dope. They're working on, obviously, draft and offseason stuff. So truthaboutit.net is where you can catch Troy and on Twitter at Troy Hallibur. Troy, thank you so much, man. It was a lot of fun for rocking with me this week on the Quarterly Report. All right, man. I appreciate it. I'm fine, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and uh, throw some more spins on this story of Adidas. So, <laughs> so get some more spins of Daytona. And, uh, you know, it's around, around these parts, it's uh, Push It to your Appreciation Day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, guys. So you heard me discuss it a little bit in the past quarter. But for the fourth quarter, we are going to dig a little deeper into the LeBron James-Michael Jordan comparison. I hope y'all ready because we're about to go there. It's our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. So you guys heard a little bit of my thoughts on the LeBron James-Michael Jordan comparison in the third quarter when I was talking to Troy. And inevitably, as we sit here just hours before LeBron James's ninth appearance in the finals in what I believe is what his 14th season, which is insane. You know, the, the discussion has ramped up this week. Now, look, full disclosure, y'all know me. I like to put my cards on the table. My favorite player of all time who was not, who happens not to be a Nick, right? Because my favorite player of all time is Charles Oakley. My favorite player who has never played for the Knicks is LeBron James. And it's him, if you disqualify, you know, Nick players, it's him by a wide margin, right? And as I grew up, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, there was no player I hated more. <laughs> than Michael Jordan, right? So that is fair. I need to make sure you are all aware of my allegiances, my my emotional standing and position in this argument. That being said, that being said, I think Michael Jordan is better than LeBron James. I do, you know? And like I said in the third quarter, I can't explain 2011. And is it unfair, right? Is it me splitting hairs? Is it me being petty? I don't think so. But when we're talking about the greatest of the greats, like those small or maybe even not so small, depending on your opinions of the matter, those are the differences. That's that's where the difference lies. I don't believe Michael Jordan would have ever played. And look, Michael Jordan had some duds himself. Go look at the 88 and 89 Eastern Conference Championships, elimination games against Detroit. He had shortcomings. He had duds. Everybody does. Okay? I just never saw it like that. I don't think Magic, Bird, LeBron, Isaiah, Kareem, Shaq, I don't know if any of them would have played like the way LeBron played in 2011. Now, since then, seven years ago, right? Since then, LeBron has done so much. And even before that, LeBron has done so much to kind of erase. You can never erase that, but to put that behind him. And because of that, I think that he and Jordan are peers. They are equals. I give the slight edge to Jordan. Jordan was like, Jordan gets the big piece of chicken. I say Jordan eats first, but they both sit at the head of the table. They both are in the same room by themselves. Those two guys, maybe you want to put Kareem in there. Some of you, you know, like, well, whatever the case may be, those guys are the best of the best, in my opinion, and they're the best for different reasons. However, we got to stop, man, with this, and both sides do it. 
But it happens, I'm seeing it more and more from the Jordan camp. The people who believe, as I do, that Jordan is the best. This romanticizing the past, right? LeBron James is making his eighth straight trip to the NBA Finals, okay? And that is an accomplishment. I don't care what you say, right? The Just the mental fatigue that has to go along with that. I can't imagine. Like, you can't slip up. We know about the physical conditioning. Like, LeBron can't be injured because we know what happens when LeBron's not playing. That team goes to trash. But you've you've seen the people who who like who grasp on to this Jordan is the best and always will be the best. This this thought process, this theory, and they latch on to it and they protect it as if they're latching on to their childhood. You know, I'm sure some psychology major could make a, a an interesting observation on these the, these fans of Jordan who like the people who love Jordan. And the people who think that Jordan is the best, the, the people who think that it's not even close. I've heard people say Michael Jordan is the best and he'll always be the best. Once you start saying stuff like that, your your opinion has to be disqualified. Like, how can you say that someone will always be the best? We have no idea. Let's say Anthony Davis goes to seven straight NBA finals and he wins all seven of them. Right? And he wins finals MVP for all seven of them. And he wins... Defensive player, like a player who hasn't even entered the league yet, can do something phenomenal. And you're, you've already said that no matter what happens in the future, Jordan will always be the best. Once you make statements like that, I quite, I'm like, well, you clearly aren't objective. So why? And it works both ways. The LeBron people, the people who love LeBron, the people who are like, oh, LeBron's the best. He can retire right now. He's already the best. He's light years better than anybody else. Whoop, 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 all that other stuff. They act as if LeBron's shortcomings haven't happened. They did. And LeBron's failures are greater than anybody else's that I can imagine in this conversation. Don't, don't, don't come at me with the Kobe stuff. Because Kobe, Kobe had a huge disappointing playoff performance in the first round. Okay? Where he literally, it looked like he quit in a game seven. Kobe does Kobe. You could, I know Kobe's got a lot of diehard fans. I'm not throwing shade at Kobe. I'm just being real. Kobe does not belong in an all time great discussion. Okay. Let's be adult. Let's be adult about this. You can like Kobe. Kobe does not belong in the discussion with Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Wilt, Shaq, a lot like Duncan. Nah, he's not in that lane. Okay. He's living in the block, right? He's got a nice house across the street. But when we talk about the greats, Kobe's not in the house. That's no shade. That's just us being honest and adult, okay? But back to, like, romanticizing. You know, people talk about, oh, man, the East is so weak now. And LeBron, of course, LeBron gets to the finals. He hasn't played anybody. Look at the teams and who has he beaten. Are we honestly going to sit here and act like the Eastern Conference of the 90s with some type of murderer's row? Let me paint a picture for you all. If you've listened to this show for any significant amount of time, you know that I am a Nick fan. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it thus far. And yes, I am a sad Nick fan. Okay? But it's, it's not just that. 
I'm 35 years old. I fell in love with sports. I fell in love with basketball because of the Knicks. I don't have a favorite football team. I don't have a favorite baseball team. I don't have a favorite hockey team, although I hope the Caps win. Shout out to the Caps. They tied the series up versus the uh, Vegas in game two of their series of the Stanley Cup Finals. Shout out to the Caps. I don't have a favorite college football team. I don't have a favorite college basketball team. Okay? I went to multiple high schools on different coasts. Okay, so I don't have, like, you know, people in this area, they have allegiance to the math, uh, good counsel, and, you know, all this other stuff. Nah, that's not me. I like one team. I love one team. And that one team has been complete and utter trash all of my adult life with the exception of one year. I say all of that to say you can imagine how much those 90 Knicks teams mean to me. I loved that team. That entire era of Knicks basketball. The highs and the lows, bro. I, 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 man, I love that team. I love that team more than many of my family members, okay? Not, not anyone named Lee, not anyone named Abdul Haq, you know? But some of them, you know, some other people in my family, and I love all of them, you know? But that Knicks team means a lot to me, you feel me? I say that to be, to say, my, that Nick team wasn't great, okay? Patrick Ewan was an amazing, all-time great player. His second best player on that team was John Starks. Come on. Those Knicks team, that, that Nick team, once Jordan got past the Pistons, okay? That was like his main, they weren't even rivals. But in the six years that Michael Jordan went to the finals, he beat that Knicks team four times, all right? It sounds a lot like what LeBron would do to the Pacers, or not the Pacers, the Raptors. Think of the great teams that Michael Jordan had to play. And I'm not talking about when he was losing. Once he won in the Eastern Conference, name the great teams. The Orlando Magic team with Shaq and Penny, that's a great team. He went one and one versus them. And the two times he played that team, one and one. Who else? What else? When he was winning. That Knicks team, we just made that, that wasn't a great team. We just talked about that. The Indiana Pacers team is the only team that once Jordan started winning. That Indiana Pacers team, that 98 team that they played in the Eastern Conference Finals, the only team that Jordan went seven games with. That Pacers team was a really, really good team. I don't I would I don't think I don't think any of us would consider them great. That Cleveland Cavaliers team in 91, whenever it was in 91 or 92, he beat in the Eastern Conference Championship. It's a really good team. They were not great. Mark Price, Barrett, Brad Daughtery, Daughter, Daughtery. It's hard for me to say that for some reason. Very good. Not great. The Miami Heat teams with Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway, were they great? Hell no. They barely were good. Don't, don't forget. That Miami Heat team lost as a one seed in the first round, lost as a two seed in the first round. I mean, who else? Who are the teams in the Eastern Conference that were like challenging Michael Jordan once he started winning on his on his quest for six championship rings? Who are the teams? Like we act like LeBron didn't has played chumps. Look at the teams that LeBron had to beat on his quest for eight straight championships. 
That Boston Celtic Big Three team is better than any team that Jordan had to beat outside of the Bad Boy Pistons that first year. The Bad Boys Pistons were the best team, right? Well, actually, I'm not even going to say that. I'd put the, the Celtics Big Three team up against the Bad Boy Pistons team in terms of greats. Those two teams are equals. We all remember in 2007 the performance LeBron put up against the Detroit Pistons when he went to his first finals, right? The Detroit Pistons, they're better than the Orlando Magic or the New York Knicks or the Indiana Pacers. Like, the Indiana Pacers, the Paul George Indiana Pacers, they're not as good as the Reggie Miller Pacers, but they were still a damn good team. Like, the 62-win Chicago Bulls with Derrick Rose as an MVP. He beat them. They were better. They're better than the Miami Heat. That Cleveland Cavaliers team with Mark Price. Come on. Like, you can think that Michael Jordan is better than LeBron. But don't come up with this weak stuff or this revisionist history or romanticizing an error and make thinking and trying to prop it up that it was greater than it once was because it wasn't. The Eastern Conference in the 90s was not dominant. It was Michael Jordan and the Pips. And guess what? Things haven't changed very much in 20 years or 18 years, right? Because now LeBron is running the East the same way Jordan did in the 90s. He's running the East the same way Magic did, ran the West in the 80s, okay? That's how basketball works. Every generation, there are one or two guys who are just greater than everybody else, who are greater than the greats. LeBron is that, and LeBron's greatness. Here's the thing. Again, I think Jordan is greater than LeBron. LeBron stands. Y'all can't act like his failures didn't happen. Jordan stands. Y'all can't act like Michael Jordan wasn't playing on the best teams. Jordan's first three championships, in my opinion, are the greatest achievements for him because that Phoenix Suns team that he beat, the first three-peat, Obviously, the Detroit Pistons team that he beat on his way to his first championship and that Lakers team. Obviously, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was not on that team. And that was a different Lakers squad. Things were changing. But they were good enough to get to the uh, the finals, right? So you got to give him credit for that. Those were three teams that first repeat, the three great teams that he beat. And teams that his team was not significantly better than. But a lot of people only want to act like when you, when you say like Jordan is 6-0 versus the finals, Slim, look at his teams. Jordan always had the best team. And look, man, it's been said time and time again, but we cannot overstate this. Michael Jordan quit after he beat that Phoenix Suns team to, to end that first three-peat. That year, they won 57 games. Jordan quits. The year he quits, that same Bulls team won 54 games. All right? So don't talk to me about how Jordan's teams were better than everybody else's, man. We've seen what happens when LeBron leaves a team. We've seen it twice. LeBron leaves a team, no matter how many wins, how many times they go to the finals, guess what? They're a lottery team. And if he leaves Cleveland again this year, guess what's going to happen? Same thing. So LeBron's greatness is different than Jordan's greatness. Jordan's greatness is, look, man, when all the stakes were at its highest, Jordan performed his best. 
There were no 2011 series with Jordan in the biggest moments of his career. It just didn't happen. And that's his claim for, for greatness. So all you guys who keep on saying six is, is greater than three, stop doing that, man, because it diminishes Jordan's greatness, right? Because if you're going to tell me Jordan is greater than LeBron because six is greater than three, then by that same logic, Bill Russell is greater than Michael Jordan. You know, we're not going to compare guys like Robert Ory and role players, right? We're talking about franchise centerpiece players. And if you're telling me that Jordan, if, if your first reasoning of why Jordan is greater than LeBron is because six is greater than three, then guess what, bro? 11 is greater than six. And the difference between 11 and six is, is greater than the difference between six and three, right? So Jordan is better than LeBron, not just because of accumulation and accolades. It's because he, he brought, he rose his game to a level when it mattered the most without the, 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 the amazing failure that LeBron has. And that's something that LeBron is going to have to live with. But LeBron's greatness is that LeBron can do amazing things without the help. He doesn't need like, yes, he had Dwayne Wade for two years. The first two years in Miami, Dwayne Wade was a great player, but let's not act like year three and year four of the big three down in Miami. Dwayne Wade was special. We saw it. His, he felt his talent fell off a cliff. And that's one of the things that people forget when it comes to Jordan. Jordan had the best team. Slim. The Bulls traded Will Purdue for Dennis Rodman. You understand? Like, that's another thing that we always get, we lose track of. All the other great players had amazing franchises. Magic was the number one overall pick. He got drafted to the Lakers. The Lakers went to the playoffs this like that year. Before they had Magic, they were already in the playoffs. They got the number one pick because of a dumb trade that happened. And they didn't, a team, I forget the team who would have drafted Magic, but they didn't protect their pick, which never happens anymore. And that number one pick went to a playoff team and, and the rest is history. Again, Jordan, the Dennis Rodman for Will Purdue trade may be one of the five worst trades ever. Look at the squad Larry Bird had, man. Kobe played with Shaq. LeBron had a great player twice for two seasons. And I don't want to hear about Kevin Love. Kevin Love is a 40% shooter for, in the playoffs. Kevin Love is not a great player. I'm sorry. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is special. He's an amazingly gifted and talented player. But don't tell me how great you are, bro, because last year, Cleveland with Kyrie, they won one more game than they did without him this season. And they're back in the same spot this year. In fact, the Eastern Conference this year was better than the Eastern Conference last year. Last year, they went through Phil uh, Indy, they went through Toronto, and they went through Boston. The same three teams that they played last year, they played this year. But this year, obviously, Indy was better. Toronto won 59 games, and this Celtics team is significantly better than last season's, last year's team. And they still got to the same exact position. So while Kyrie is talented and special, Kyrie ain't no all-time great. Not yet, at least. Jordan was playing with Pippen. Jordan was playing with Rodman, that second 3 P. They had Tony Kukoc coming off the bench. 
Like, it was an embarrassment of riches that Jordan had. And before, and again, Jordan never won a damn thing. Not a playoff series without Scottie Pippen. LeBron has won playoffs. LeBron's gone to the finals without Dwayne Wade, without Chris Bosh, without Kevin Love, without Kyrie Irving. The guy literally is the walking golden ticket from Willy Wonka. You have LeBron James, you are instantly a title contender. And that's his greatness. His greatness is different than the greatness of Michael Jordan. And that's okay. Again, I think Jordan is better than LeBron. And I'm, I, don't, I don't know what it would take for me to change my mind. I, I really don't. Because 2011, you can't erase it. People I respect in the media, Nick Wright, God bless him, man. I think he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, he, he, he makes compelling arguments. But when he gets on these LeBron tangents, they act like 2011 didn't happen. No, we can't erase it. It did happen. And LeBron's got to live with that. But if you think LeBron is better than Jordan, okay. I don't necessarily agree with you, but you can make that argument. But don't tell me he's not close. Don't do that. Because you, you make yourself sound silly. Conversely, if you think Jordan, if you agree with me, you think Jordan is better than LeBron, don't say it's not close. That's crazy. You sound like a curmudgeon who doesn't want, who, who's, who's like going la, 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 la with his fingers in his ear, closing his eyes, not trying to understand and peep what's going on now. You want to get left behind. Don't do that. Both of these guys are significant, supremely talented, and the two, in my opinion, best players that this game has ever seen. There is no gap. If, if there's a difference, it's very small. Whomever you think is number one. They're both sitting at the, the seat of the table, right? The head of the table. The throne sit above everybody else's. These two guys, one and one A. So instead of always comparing, and LeBron's about to get ran off the court <laughs> this finals, let's just sit back and enjoy it, man, because man, he don't have that much longer in the league. Let's enjoy the show. On that note, I, I hope you guys all enjoyed this show. Again, we went a little bit long this week, but, man, it was so much fun, so much stuff to talk about. I want to once again thank my guest, my guy, Troy Halliburton. He's a contributor for truthaboutit.net. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Troy Halliburton. Man, really fun follow, really fun interview. I also want to thank each and every one of you all for checking Rocking with me this week on a supersized edition of the Quarterly Report. Remember, you can always get involved. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterly show on Twitter. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. And get involved. Follow the show. Subscribe to the show. Download it. Give me a five-star rating. Give me a review. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell the world. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts iTunes, Podknife, Google Play, you name it, we are there. Follow the show, download the show, subscribe to the show, and give me give me some feedback. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, and let the fans, let the world know what you think of the show as well. I really appreciate all you all for checking with me, rocking with me each and every week. I had a lot of fun this week. Going to get things back to normal next week, next Thursday, right here on The Quarterly Report.